All right, it's competition time. So, welcome to our second annual Conv2x Innovation Ignition Competition. Here now we celebrate the passion that fuels startups, the promise of growth and success, adrenaline generated by competition, and what a diverse community can achieve when they unite in number, self-determination, and bonding that busts boundaries. Pioneers in their own right and collectively move the needle of an industry. So it's time for the big reveal. Judges are ready, yes? Okay, uh, full disclosure, we're down one judge. We're carrying on without uh, Fenny Wang. We can't find her. But the uh, other six gentlemen are all here and good to go. And now the competition finalists are, if I move this, good. Um, so this is our list of finalists. Uh, American Telephysicians, I believe, is going first. Are we back there, backstage? Mic'd and ready to go? Who is mic'd and ready to go? Sorry? We're just going to use that mic. That's fine. Can I use this one? Yes. Okay. So who's ready to go? <laughs> we have a brave soul. <laughs> All right. So this is Ben Royce and Yvette Davis, and we are from Debut M Health. Debut M Health. Judges, do we have Debut M Health first up? And is your presentation up in that case? There we go, perfect. Your mic, and good luck. Hello. We are here to introduce you to Debut M Health and the Debut Protocol. My name is Ben Royce. I am a technologist. I've been working in healthcare for 20 years. Hi, my name is Jeanette Davis. I'm a internist. I'm a doctor, a physician, a palliative care doctor for over 20 years. So the focus are the consumer in our innovation lies among the 5% of our population that consumes to 50% of the healthcare. Those are patients with chronic uh, uh, health needs. This is, this is the passion that fueled, uh, I should say this is the fuel behind our passion for innovation. Um, it's, a, it's a population that I am I have spent all my career uh, devoted to. So I think, you know, technology is technology, but it doesn't make any sense if you don't know why you're using technology. And I can tell you here, I, I was impressed so far, uh, but this, I wanted you to find the reality why, why we're doing what we do. So that, just think about Mrs. H. So Mrs. H represents a composite of all the patients I've cared for in the 20 years. So Mrs. H has been in the nursing home setting for five years, secondary to long-standing dementia. Unfortunately, the last few weeks of her life, she had multiple hospitalization, rehospitalization, secondary to multiple silos in her healthcare system. And then she eventually died in a local emergency room. Um, there are multiple opportunities where with, with alignment of medical records across systems, our outcome could have been different. 
Um, and I really think that we all in this nation, all the stakeholders really have the best intention, but, we, but healthcare right now is very fragmented. Multiple silos. I, you know, we all have intended uh, the best intentions, however, the fragmented care system leads to worse outcomes for our patients like Mrs. H. So our innovation, we want to disrupt the healthcare through integration. So what do we mean by this? So I'll have Ben elaborate. We are using IOTA. Uh, you can think of it as third generation blockchain after Bitcoin, Ethereum with smart contracts. It scales, no fees, it's fast. Uh, we're using math authenticated messaging. And you can publish a key to a private stream. It's kind of like a radio station. Uh, you got to work out some of the security schemes, which what makes the most sense. Um, Permanodes, that's where the archives of all the uh, records will be. How are we going to incentivize adoption? All flag patients' records go into blockchain. Compliance works. We're talking about the frequent flyers. The AHR once on IOTA is immediate and global, secure and private, with automatic triggers for policies derived from expertise, such as Dr. Davis's, distributed apps, smart contracts, Cubic, and eventually AI, proactive, not reactive. So in a sense, going back to Mrs. H, as we move towards a healthcare system that's moving from fee-for-service, for fee-for-quality and value-based care, we have to really align all the stakeholders for Mrs. H. So in terms of what Ben described, just think of, just think of uh, multiple risk stakeholders in our healthcare system. For example, the government, the biggest risk taker in terms of the healthcare. They're, they're the advocates for this target population that consume 50% of our healthcare in terms of quality outcomes, and they share the, the greatest risks. So just think about they'll be able to really assess in more real time the cost of caring for that individual in terms of, um, in terms of looking at uh, uh, accuracy of, of diagnosis and claims. And they'll also be able to uh, understand um, where they could intervene to impact healthcare. So I, I, I think this is where the future lies, is in terms of where we can go. And I think just imagine the costs that you could save in terms of caring for this really um, high-risk population in our in our nation. And more, and for me, I mean, Glantel is a cost saving for me in terms of quality, because right now we spend the most uh, care for this target population, but yet our outcome is subpar in, in reference to other first world countries. So I hope um, you really, uh, this, this will be some, something to everyone's heart. Thank you. Thank you. All right, that was perfect timing, five minutes exactly. Judges, are we uh, all good? We have today, doing our um, third party independent tabulating, uh, Frank Bazzoli, Editor-in-Chief of Health Data Management. And so all our, uh, all our tally sheets are over to Frank in that case. Fred, so sorry. Um, second up is Nomadics, and Nomadics will have five minutes with you and the judges. Good afternoon. 
My name is Paul McGuire. I'm with a company called Nomadics. I am uh, not the kind of person that would normally come to a show like this. I have a company which is the antithesis of uh, healthcare support. My company normally focuses on putting people on the other side of uh, dirt. Uh, we uh, got started uh, after the Boston Marathon. Uh, at the Boston Marathon, there was a lesson learned. All the public safety and law enforcement people wanted to work together, and they didn't have any way to do it. And then at the same time, I had just sold my last company, and I was getting uh, bored. And then um, I had an idea to start something new. My current company said, not a good idea to do it. You should take that someplace else. And then the day I decided I was going to take it someplace else, my mom called and said she had terminal cancer, right? And, so, and she wanted to die in the house, right? That's um, from New England, so that's uh, sort of a common thing. And uh, we created a company to track things. And so then I said, well, if I can track oil executives going to Afghanistan and Nigeria, I can certainly track my mom as she moves around the house uh, with some of the devices that are available. And the problem I found out right away is the same problem we found out in our core business, which is all these hardware manufacturers build devices that by design are designed not to work with other de devices. And so we said, well, what, what if we could um, go into the Internet of Things for home health care and open things up uh, and the same way we did it for public safety? So one of the questions we always have for people at uh, events like this, does privacy and interoperability matter? Based on the, all the talks this morning, it seems to. Uh, we are a lean start, uh, blue ocean company. We don't take money if we don't have to. We don't spend money if we don't have to. We're already revenue uh, producing, and we've got a little bit of past performance. One of the key verticals that we wanted to focus on for this event is the fact that more and more Americans want to age in place. My mom is the classic example. She was diagnosed with multiple myeloma at the age of 76 and died at the age of uh, 80. Uh, and spent her entire time from her diagnosis to her death uh, in her home. So we were able to uh, make her happy, at least in that regard. And then 60 million Americans, as we know, are already living in rural America. So there's a crossover between people who want to age in place and people who already have limited access to health care. And technology is going to fix some of it uh, through remote sensors, but as I've already pointed out, hardware manufacturers make it harder and harder to uh, have technology talk to each other. And what we saw, just like in public safety and healthcare, is there's no technology to tie things together. So we created something for our public safety customers that we call 360 Aware, and it is the concept of situational awareness. Where are things and what's the status of things? And managing those th things through command and control, right? And so earlier today, I heard the term ambient listening. Well, we call that surveillance, right? And so we've commanded uh, command and control and situational awareness into one product, and we think we can extend that to the healthcare community. We have an app that we use to track individuals pretty much in 106 different countries right now and to give us their status. We call it duty of care. And we've repurposed the app, or I repurposed the app for my mom so that we could see when she's moving around the house. And if she hadn't moved in a certain amount of time, I would get an alert rather than someone call uh, an ambulance or a doctor. An exemplar for this would be a simple app on your phone. 
You uh, let someone know, your, your care group know whether you're feeling good or okay or bad. If you hit bad, it automatically opens up a virtual chat window with the people that are in your uh, listening uh, arena. And then you can uh, talk them through something or potentially call uh, for services for them. And so when you look at most of the devices that are out there right now for falls, you pay for someone to monitor and call 911 for you. And a lot of people don't want someone to know they're ill. And so, but they'll trust a caregiver or a relative or a neighbor. The value proposition is we would take our existing capability and modify it and repurpose it for the healthcare uh, arena. In the arena that we operate right now, we're going through things like FedRAMP, so HIPAA isn't something uh, that, that, that is that scary to us considering that. We already connect right now in our other business line to 3,000 plus devices, and our software is a Microsoft platform. It's not that applicable here, but it's exportable, and we let people white label it. So when you leave here today, if you look us up, you're not going to see anything Time. about us. Sorry. All right? Thank you very oh. much. All right, five minutes, folks. Next up is judges. That was nomadics. Um, next up, we have Digifarms reimburse. Abdullah, good luck. Five minutes, please. Thanks. Sorry, folks, technical difficulties. Why don't I introduce um, or share with you our judges' lineup today? Brian Arkwright from Schumacher Clinical, Anton Decker, Bon Secours, Mercy Health, Gary German, Nona Tech, 2017 first place winner, Gil Atarovitz, Professor, Harvard Medical School, John Halamka, Professor, Harvard Medical School, and Kareem Babe, Intrinsic Value Investment Partners. Are we up yet? Yeah, all right. Okay, so let's reset you so you get a, a full five minutes, and you're more than welcome to take the stage. Thank you. Do you have five minutes? All right, go. Uh, thank you, uh, and good afternoon, everyone. <clears throat> so my name is Ahmed, founder and CEO of Digifarm. Um, so we're an organization with entities in the UK and Switzerland. Uh, my background is in uh, health economics. Most recently, my role in the industry was as a, as a global health economist at Roche, so lead, leading their lung cancer submissions internationally uh, for one of their uh, latest lung cancer drugs. 
In addition to my role at Digifarm, I'm also a blockchain expert in healthcare at the UN CFACT, which is um, an intergovernmental organization within the United Nations Economic Commission of Europe. <clears throat> so we have a team built of you know, many market access professionals. Um, and because we have global ambitions, uh, we have expertise you know, within the key reference countries internationally that we feel will be able to you know, bring us to market successfully. Sorry. Right. Right, so uh, we see the world is moving forward. I think also today there's a few talks about value-based healthcare. And um, <clears throat> let's take a, an example. Uh, Medtronic at the start of 2017 had zero value-based uh, pricing agreements. Uh, by 2018, they have more than 1,000. Deloitte estimate that more than 75% of commercial payments for healthcare by 2020 will be value-based. What we also see is accelerated access approvals for medicines, uh, cancer, cancer genomic profiling, and targeted and precision medicine is becoming more of the norm. And, um, you know, for, for this to move forward, what we need is to create a system that now uses outcomes for paying for healthcare, no longer, you know, looking at the number of times you visit the doctor or the, or the volumes of drugs you are taking. Sorry about this. Um, so the issue, the issue we see, I think value-based healthcare is a mature concept and everybody agrees, you know, it's the right way to go forward to improve outcomes, but also uh, reduce healthcare costs. However, because you're now paying for healthcare based on outcomes, what we saw was missing is a medical information infrastructure that allows all key stakeholders within the health economy to trust the data that they're using uh, for reimbursement right? Um, something that's immutable. And so we created uh, the reimburse platform, right? And what we also use is smart contracting. So as precision medicine is becoming more the norm, as pricing uh, conditions and stipulations within these agreements become increasingly personalized, there's a huge administrative burden to its rec reconciliation. And often the costs of reconciliation negate you know, uh, the benefits that, that we see and, and the cost reductions through the implementation of value-based pricing agreements. So we developed the reimburse platform, and this is a fully flexible platform, so not just for pharmaceuticals, it also works for devices and, you know, social care and community care via integration with remote monitoring tools. And we also have, <coughs> we have a, um, uh, this is also a, a patented technology as well. So we've also uh, created our platform just to demonstrate the flexibility to include our DigiHealth application, which also uh, enables patient to, uh, to report outcome measurements you know, remotely to inform their pricing agreements. Uh, and we have projects with more than 10 international health authorities. We're working with more with you know, eight out of the top 10 pharma companies by revenue. And this is across four continents. Um, we have pilots that include sensors, uh, patient diaries, uh, and often web portals where we have health information systems that are unable to collect the data we need. 
And in regards to our business model, so it's software as a service, right? So we make money according to the number of transactions or the number of patients on our platforms. But also, with some of our pilots, we're able to uh, have agreements with these players where we're able to take a percentage of the value of these contracts. However, this is not applicable in all situations, right? Because what you see with these uh, pricing agreements in such a confidential market if you're able to deduce, you know, net prices and discounts and things like that, then you're not able to in such a competitive market. And we also then earn money from, you know, customization of our platforms. So we have a partnership with... Uh, Time, Abdullah, that's Thank five you. minutes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Judges, that was Digifarms Reimburse. And if you could get your score sheets over to Fred in that case. Next, we have Happify Health. And Chris Wasden will be speaking on behalf of Happify Health. Full disclosure, Chris is also a member of the editorial board of Telehealth and Medicine today. Um, which is fine, really no conflict there um, with judges and their score sheets. And just um, so you know, the selection criterion for the um, finalists this year was based on, one, identifying the problem to be solved, Technical solution, relevance to market sector, ability to monetize the product or service, the team, and overall impressions. Um, and this is uh, what the judges are evaluating for each contestant. So again, um, Chris Wasden, on behalf of Happify Health. Good luck, Chris. Thank you. We are a digital mental health company that focuses on providing a digital therapy to help people overcome stress, anxiety, and depression. We were founded by a number of entrepreneurs who were very successful in the video game industry. They created a video game platform that had over 66 million daily users. And they asked themselves the question, couldn't we do something more noble than create the next Candy Crush? So they said, let's take the engagement science that we have developed and done very successfully, and let's apply this now to a more noble cause such as mental health. And so with that, we then have had four million people use our application successfully. Uh, with that, we have about 20 to 30% of the people that we will actually engage through social media say, yes, I want to be activated and, and start using the Happify app. 86% of the people that use our app actually have benefit that we can measure with gold standard measures of stress and anxiety and depression. 58% of these people are still using it after two months. 40% are still using it after a year. And we find that versus a control group in our clinical trials, we get two and a half times the level of improvement in anxiety and resilience and four and a half times improvement in depression. We believe that if patient engagement were a drug, it would be a blockbuster drug of the century and malpractice uh, not to use it. And so that's what we're focused on delivering. Uh, 
So what we've done is we've looked at a number of different diseases, actually over 130 different diseases, to identify what level of depression we see within each one of these diseases. So for skin diseases like psoriasis, atopic dermatitis, we see 60% levels. Uh, with uh, arthritis, about 43%. We have 44 million people in America that are untreated for mental health disorders, cardiovascular, respiratory, uh, endocrine, lymphatic, and rare diseases all have around 60% levels of depression and anxiety. If you look at two diseases specifically that we're focused on right now with some pharma partners, one of them is MS. Novartis did a study to find out what is the most important factors in driving people's uh, quality of life. And what they found is that in order of importance is anxiety, depression, cognitive function, and fatigue, all four things that their drug does nothing for. Their drug focuses on mobility and motor function. And so the things that are most important to patients the drug companies currently really aren't addressing, and that's where we come in to help them. And you look at psoriasis, you find the similar sort of thing. The people's quality of life is really driven by stress, depression, and anxiety, which leads to social isolation, and the drugs really don't treat any of this. So what we have as a platform that is a gamified experience. If you use our applications two to three times a week for eight weeks, you decrease your depression and anxiety by 30%, which is what we've documented in a retrospective study of 152,000 people that have used our application, and in prospective studies with randomized controlled trial structure so that we tested over 500 people. If you look at our, our progression, we started out focused just on the consumer to validate that actually our technology works, got almost a half million people to use it. We then started to go to health plans and to employers, got up to around two and a half million people using our application. We then began to also add in chronic disease management as a capability that we could address uh, with our platform. We're now working with pharma companies. As of this year, we're at about four million total users uh, now. And we're now also beginning to explore with these pharma companies how we can move forward and have combined therapies with them. So that's our story, and we're happy to help any patients that have any challenges in mental health with comorbidities. Yeah, I think he finished earlier than we expected. So next up, um, let's just check in with the judges and give them a little time for uh, submitting their evaluations over to Fred. One sec. Do you have them all, Fred? Nearly? Okay, so next up is Health Innovations Will Chain, W-I-L-L-C-H-A-I-N, good. And uh, we will give Will Chain five minutes. Good luck. Thank you, Tori. Thanks. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Dr. Cal. I'm a physician and a pharmacist by training and education, and I've worked in information technology for 10 plus years for corporate America. Creating a living will is hard. How many of you here know what a living will is? Can I get a raise of hands? Cool. For those of you who don't know what a living will is, let me tell you a story. In 2005, if you remember, this is Terry Schiavo. America was divided 
when it came to Terry Shiver's case. Terry was in a vegetative state for 13 years, and she was bedridden. Her Michael wanted to pull the plug on Terry, but her parents wanted to keep her alive. Now, the problem was Terry didn't have a living will. Living will is a document which will tell medical professionals what to do in case you get incapacitated. Our mission is to make it easy for anybody to create a living will using their mobile device. So let me talk to you how that works. The problem we're trying to address is 90% of Americans say that they want to die at home, but only one-third do. 40% of people over the age of 65 years and above do not have a living will. And it costs 25% of all the Medicare spent on end-of-life issue. That is $810 billion. So what is the problem with creating a living will? It's cumbersome, tedious, and it's a manual process. You need three people, a nurse, a doctor, and a witness, and, and the patient. It's manual. You, you, you create a living will, sign it, and make copies and share it with people. And, and it's, since it's manual, it's hard to find and share, and there's uh, reliability problems. Some people are going to the extent of getting tattoos on their chest, but unfortunately, this won't work. Welcome to WillChain. This is our solution, a mobile-based technology built on blockchain where you, don't have, you can stay at your home and create a living will. And through consensus mechanism, you can bring in your doctor and a witness into the WillChain network so that they can vouch for you. And it's, it's digital, so you can share it with whomever you want. And we also put it in the, in, in the registry, national registry. So this is how it works. Click on the play button, please. So in case of a cardiac arrest, do you want to be resuscitated? You can move to the right or to the left. So yes to the right and left is no. So this is yes. Would you like to appoint a healthcare proxy? So you can swipe to the right or swipe to the left. Yes is right and and so forth. So you got the idea. It's e as easy as that. Next slide, please. Next slide, please. Next one. Okay, how it works. So we have a mobile-based technology, and uh, you swipe a few, uh, you swipe the answers, and we upload these answers into the WorldChain network. And after that, you'll be able to share it with whomever you want. And we also put it in the registry. So what are the benefits? So we are trying to uh, eliminate the intermediary that is a doctor or a nurse practitioner that is required to create a living will. So this, this intermediation, and we, we can do that using blockchain technology. We want to digitize it so that you can easily access and share it, and we want to save cost. Let me talk to you about the cost. So the technology we're trying to use is blockchain AI. So the technology benefits are consensus mechanism. I, it, it provides for a consensus for multiple parties to come together to agree upon something. That is, you, you can do your will at home, and then you can bring in your doctor and a witness to agree upon things. It's immutable, so it cannot be changed. So, and distributed ledger technology allows for all the participants to, to look at the same source of data at all times. 
Our revenue model, we, we want to provide uh, data as a service. Anybody who wants to tap into our wheelchair network and, and find a will, we charge for that. And we also offer branding services for private companies like self-insured employers who want, to, who want to provide a living will service to their employees. And we also charge the end user. Our target markets are hospitals, insurance companies, and hospice, hospice uh, facilities. So how does it work? So we are using crowdsourcing technology, a uh, similar kind of Uber, where if a nurse logs in and checks in, and, uh, and once she logs in our app, we'll tell her or him who are all the people looking to create a will. And then uh, once she clicks a button, Uber comes, and she can goes to a patient's home. If if the patient wants to talk to a, a nurse or a doctor. It's not necessary, though. So what do we need? Time, five minutes. Oh, thank you. Thanks very much. All right. It's tense back there. It really is. Um, judges, evaluations, lots of pacing back and forth. We're good to go? All right, next up is CoHealth. Five minutes, thank you, good luck. Hi everyone, my name's Rob and I'm the co-founder of CoHealth. CoHealth is a patient access company and we're looking to better understand the inefficiencies within a healthcare system. Our vision is to really connect the dots in healthcare. So what does that mean to us? By partnering with hospitals and primary care facilities, we're able to gain insights into patient populations. So there's no more guessing when it comes to inefficiencies. We wanna be able to provide them with the information they need at the right time so they can make effective changes. Our story starts with Zach, my business partner and our CEO. Zach, if you knew him, he's not the most athletic person. So one day he decided he was going to go and play ultimate frisbee. Unfortunately, Zach broke his leg and found himself in a hospital. He was stressed, he was medicated, and he was in a lot of pain. Um, he suffered a fib tip fracture and he had the cast put on, as you can see. The problem is, once Zach was transitioned back into the community and back home, he was given all these papers, these PDFs, and all of this information that went in one ear and out the other. Unfortunately, Zach developed a complication in the form of compartment syndrome that he was not even aware of. He didn't go back to the same hospital, and the hospital never found out that this even happened to him. Zach is not alone, however. Um, many healthcare systems face different problems in different patient populations, whether it be cancer, the maternity ward, or maybe just orthopedic surgery. Um, all of them face different problems and really understand how to deal with those problems um, and being able to identify the problems within unique patient populations is a difficult task. So because they're unable to access these patients when they're at home in the community, it's difficult to, to collect patient experience data, it's difficult to ensure exceptional quality and care, and it's difficult to retain patient loyalty. So when we were looking at the problem, we identified the patient journey. Like Zach's journey, he went to the healthcare system and he received all these tasks and education, these appointments and medications, and this community care 
going to his physical therapist, things like that. And it all went in one ear and out the other. And as a result, Zach ended up back into the healthcare system as a revisit readmission. And unfortunately, that hospital suffered a penalty. What we've created is co-health. We partner with health service providers to, to customize and publish all of their content for various care pathways, regardless of department, regardless of language, and regardless of content that needs to be published. And what we're able to do is provide patients with a digital solution. The patient never needs to log in. We never need any personal health identifiable information. It's as easy as telling us where you came from and telling us what you left with. If the patient happens to have diabetes and they broke their leg, they're able to select both of those things. And what we're hoping to do is really provide the patient with a more um, uh, enthusiastic experience when they're visiting healthcare, really putting them in the driver's seat without increasing the workflow of the physicians and the day-to-day -day lives of, of the staff at hospitals and healthcare providers. We do three things really well. The first thing is providing care management and education dependent on the disease state or condition. Um, finding access to care in the community, so being able to find your providers within network as well as the providers that your insurance cover. And then finally, being able to, to provide your provider with experience data, the outcome data, uh, being able to really survey that patient while they're in the community. Uh, to date, we're in 20 health systems across North America. Uh, we have a corporate partnership with Medtronic and Bayshore Home Health, um, and we currently just got procured by the Canadian government, uh, which we validated our product at about 32 cents per patient, uh, which is way less than the traditional surveying methods, plus we, we add on that outcome um, and readmission data as well. So what we're really trying to do at the end of the day is, is create this channel to the patient uh, by providing them with upfront value and being able to provide them with information that they need in the form of a digital solution. We hope that we're able to create this channel and access the patients while they're at home in the community to not only improve the inefficiencies within the healthcare system, but to be able to, to provide them with a better user experience and really empower the patient to do what they need to do to recover. Thanks a lot. Okay, another one that was under five minutes. This is really interesting. Judges waiting on, uh, on you. Brian's smiling, he was a judge last year too, so he knows how this goes. And we're ready to move forward, I suppose, or not yet? Okay, pretty close. So next up, um, competitor is BitMed, and we will give BitMed five minutes. Where are we? Oh. I think queuing up the presentation. Hold on a second. BitMed? It'll get there, yeah. yeah. And... We just want to make sure you get your five minutes. Yeah. Alrighty. And so we'll time that back here. And good luck to you. Thanks. Thanks. Great. Hi, everyone. My name is Rishi Maddock. I'm the CEO, co founder of BitMed. My background briefly is I'm an emergency physician as well with a background in clinical informatics. Uh, I've done quite a bit of work in emerging markets development of a health IT infrastructure for 
a variety of governments uh, abroad, as well as uh, worked domestically as a director of clinical medics at UPenn, uh, and has been on the private sector for some time now. What I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give away most of the presentation. BitMed as a blockchain company, we have our own blockchain that's a public permissioned blockchain that's used to transact both healthcare and healthcare data. In terms of traction, that's 500,000 wallets that are coming online. That's 1.3 million in data revenue sales in the first seven months of releasing that option, the data, the D app. As a healthcare company, we actually provide what we call the BitMed Clinic, which is three core services accessible online, it's a virtual service, to connect with our physicians that offer primary care and preventative care. Active in seven countries, we're actually the largest telehealth provider in emerging markets, but we also operate in the US as well. We deliver value to our patients because we provide a frictionless, frictionless personalized engagement, but we also allow, we, we empower our healthcare providers and our hospital systems by reducing the burden of keeping track of your patients, onboarding patients, et cetera. And I'll go through a bit of that. So you all know the problems that healthcare faces. Really, from a patient perspective, they don't know where to go. It creates cost avoidance, healthcare avoidance. It creates sick care. You've heard all this before, right? But it's not getting any better. Patients are, unfortunately, uninformed consumers of their healthcare, and they have to make their best guess. BitMed's goal is to create ease, accessible, scalable care. The other side of BitMed is we're a data company. We see an opportunity in the healthcare data market. Most, health, most healthcare data is unstructured, it's retrospective, it's fragmented. And so we're looking to deliver a high-quality data product to a live cohort of patients via our clinical platform. So what is it all anchored in? Again, everyone needs healthcare, right? Rich or poor, it doesn't matter where you are, who you are, where you live, everyone needs healthcare. That is the hook that gets them onto our platform. That's also the, how we get such great adoption to our blockchain. And so what we offer is that clinical care platform supported by our own medical practice, 250 US providers, expandable to 1,000, as well as medical practices in each of the markets that we're rolling out into. That's across seven countries. The patients on our platform create a data network that governments, pharmaceuticals, insurers, hospitals, researchers leverage to improve R&D, as well as their own uh, marketing. Obviously, a blockchain protocol that we offer as open source to the community to build solutions on top of. This isn't just for BitMed. We're just the first major adopter. This is for everyone to build a globally compliant protocol. And then, if I have time, we'll get to an exchange how to create interoperability between blockchain services by swapping out utility tokens. So that clinical care platform provides 24-7 access to a doctor, messaging or video chat, personalized curated information, as well as peer-to-peer -peer health communities, supported by machine learning to get you to the right content, supported by AI to increase efficiency and scalability of our care. And AI actually engages with all of our patients to start, and actually, so total engagement with the patient for a care consultation is about eight minutes. Provider human engagement is two minutes, but satisfaction remains high, and the doctor does what they love to do, communicate care and then get out. The other bit that we've cracked for healthcare is, well, truthfully, people, patients, have trouble valuing their healthcare. They have trouble engaging and truthfully caring. We want to take away that negative avoidance, that negative sentiment around healthcare. And so we're able to issue rewards to patients and incentives to engage. 
This has a secondary function. It allows us to double down on patients of high value data and drive and direct their engagement on platform. So this creates a lot of the everyday relevance to our platform. The protocol that supports this, the way that we're able to do this also at scale by identifying patients who may be of high value, by being able to transact and know that, okay, certain, certain physicians can, can administer medical care to certain patients in certain regions is governed by our blockchain and the smart contracts. So we have this blockchain protocol. I won't go into great detail on it, but it is based off of Hyperledger and Quorum. It's public permissioned. Again, we're issuing it as open source, and I'm happy to chat with anyone about this. But really, the blockchain and the token work together to, one, drive that engagement, openly transact data. But the beauty is we all hear about how data is so valuable. Well, go and try and sell your data. It's actually quite hard, if not impossible currently. With us, a patient is able to go through value and actually derive Time. wealth from it. Five minutes, he saw me That's coming. That's where we're at, yep. Okay, thank you. <laughs> thank you. All right, last contestant. And we will wait for the judges to finish their evaluations. Um, almost there. And then we have our platinum sponsor keynote next after our competition. Um, okay, the last contestant is American Telephysicians, also known as ATP, and we wish them luck. Five minutes. Thank Thanks. you. Uh, hello, everyone. Uh, thank you for the opportunity. I'm a physician and nephrologist. I'm also a patient. I'm also a family member of a parents who live abroad. Uh, and I also love technology. During my practice two years ago when I was doing this nephrology practice, I really became fascinated with the technology platform. And I realized why the marketplace project like Uber or Amazon, they are very successful. One thing was that they identified their end users' needs and problems. And that was, then I thought, is there any healthcare marketplace for our patients? And what were the challenges the patients faced? Throughout the day, I've been listening to these talks, various connectivity, accessibility, affordability, no price transparency, and lack of education. My, my mom lives in Pakistan, where I did my medical school, came here. Being involved in her care remotely was always a challenge. All the users tell her, you know, go to these labs, get labs done, imaging done, never happen in time. Similarly, uh, the, when they come here, they don't have insurance, really don't know where to take them. Luckily, I'm a physician, you know, so I was like knew some of the physician friend. A lot of the problem, these were the patient and family problem. They don't know where to go. If they don't have insurance, they're really screwed up. Even if they have insurance, like myself, I had my MRI done, and I got a bill, $1,800, and said, did my insurance didn't cover? I found out insurance covered, but because they have their contracted rate with the hospital that I got, which I was not aware, I got $1,800 bill. I found out if I could have done it as an outpatient facility, it would have cost me $550. And if I would have just gone there and say I don't have insurance, $450. Patients don't know this. And I'm also a physician, so I understand the 
the concept that just connecting patient with physician telemedicine doesn't work that way. You need to have all these labs, imaging, pharmacy, all this data to make a really informed decision. So what we did is uh, figure out what exactly can we do with the technology and that we can build all these problems. When we started this project, a lot of people told us, you're, you're trying to solve too many problems at once. But that's exactly what we are. We are a connected healthcare uh, organization. We provide the patients with the right provider, uh, right time, right place, at the right cost. And how do we do it? We started with a group of physicians, multi-special physicians. We have about 70 multi-special physicians on our team. We have our own IT team, and we first built a marketplace project where it allows patients to select their city. In that city, we contracted with labs, imaging, radiology centers, pharmacy, so patients can actually go online and choose the service. <clears throat> if the patient wants to see a doctor, we link them with the doctors. We provide a doctor with a telemedicine platform and also online scheduling because the, the doctors don't want to spend on the telemedicine right now because it's not reimbursable, but the patient wants to have it for accessibility. Uh, we'll, so this is the, uh, the uh, platform where you can actually go, and we started in Pakistan as my first market because my parents live there. Now I ordered her lab results online. I select the city. I select what she needs. I see the pricing. Uh, and I get the results online. <clears throat> now we're bringing this project in US because I want physicians to see the patients, order their tests, and those tests to come in the patient cart so patient can choose based on their accessibility, based on their pricing, they can choose how much that test would cost. And the way we do is we contract with this, all these uh, labs and imaging partners. Uh, like an Expedia model. So we contract our rates and pass on those rates discount to the patients. So it's a win-win situation. The providers get the right referral. Patient gets a discounted price. And uh, we get our revenue because of that Expedia model. Uh, we did start it also on specialty clinics uh, for international market. We are in Pakistan, and we are starting in Kenya. And the third one is Brazil, because these physicians who are from these countries practicing in the US, they are now joining our group. So it's really about the patients, all this problem. Sure, thank you. Thanks very much. Thank all right, that's it. That's all eight contestants. And uh, Fred is tabulating all the evaluations for all our contestants. While we are waiting to tabulate evaluations, may I take this time to thank each and every competitor for their diligent pursuit of excellence in patient care and technologies applied, their um, expressed interest and exemplary efforts in presenting their products, all eight will be featured in BHTY and TMT, and we look forward to supporting their growth in the future. Um, I would like to invite them out now, all of them, so we can take a photo while we are tabulating. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
all in front of the table there. Ta-da! All right, those of you with cameras, yes, please. Do take photos. Judges, you are also welcome to come to the stage, if you would please, and join them in photos while Fred is tabulating. <laughs> Quickly, Brian, you have a panel in the next couple of minutes. Um, yeah, either behind or in front. Kind of stagger along so you can all fit in the uh, in the photo in that case. Um, yeah, no, that would be nice too, wouldn't it? <laughs> Thank you. Done with photos. Way to go. Thank you all. And judges. Um, so, Fred, whenever you're ready. <laughs> Thank you all. Do we have a statuette? We, oh, actually, we have uh, awards, and you can thank this for me, um, and all sorts of fancy frames and what have you. And Tori left them in her car, um, in the car park. And so we will be following up with our wonderful contestants um, once we announce first place, second place, and honorable mention. Um, and uh, they will be they will be mailed to you post-conference. <laughs> okay. Well, we've All been right. handed this by the auditors of PricewaterhouseCoopers <laughs> and uh, La La Land. Nope, whoops, wrong. <laughs> so, would you like no, the no, others? No, okay. No, absolutely not, no. So, the, should we start with three, then go two, yeah. then one? Yeah. Okay. Honorable men. So, uh, starting with position three, mm -hmm. that is health innovations will change. Will Chain? Yeah. Yes. yes. Will okay. Well done. Thank you so much. Thank you. Congratulations. And, and your award will be forthcoming. Oh, yes, uh, on the side. Uh, okay. Come, come, come. Number two, Bitmed. Bitmed. Second place. Thank you. Thank you. Well done. Congratulations. Good for you. Okay, and the winner, number one, goes to Happify. Happify. Happy people. Where are you? Happify. Oh, there he right. is. Well done. Thank you very much. Appreciate yes. it. Congratulations, Thank you. Chris. Thank Some more you. photos here. Step uh, to our right over here in that case, yeah? All righty. More photos, more cameras, please, yeah?
your time, your energy, your efforts, and creativity and curiosity. Absolutely marvelous. Thank you. Thank you, Fred. Thank you, judges. And thank you, audience, for your patience and your enthusiasm. Thank you very much.